The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Do you feel that you're losing the battle with looking and feeling your best? Stop! Welcome to Body Balance Talk with your host, Jeannie Schmidt, along with Lucy and Madeline. Your body has an outstanding ability to heal itself and stay healthy. It's up to you to get the process started. Now, here's the show. Welcome to Body Balance Talk. I'm Lucy Hewitt, nutritional therapist. And I'm Madeline Hewitt. And I'm Jeannie Schmidt, PharmD. And we'd like to welcome you to our show today where we have a special guest, Michael Larson, joining us to discuss the role of gut, bacteria, and health. Michael is the writer of the blog, Good Health Begins in the Gut, A Journey of Healing. And his articles range from sugar addiction, our national food distribution system, helping our children make good food decisions, our culture of food addiction, all the way to gluten intolerance and the way that we look at health. From a standpoint of the root cause or is it a bandage approach? If you're interested in that blog, which I I really think you'd be interested, he's got these great articles and recipes, you can find it at tulasstory.wordpress.com. And another way to find it would be just to Google Tula's Story and you could come across his wonderful blog. Now, if you go to the blog, he also has a recipe section that nobody is going to want to miss. You'll find gluten, sugar, and dairy-free recipes such as pancakes. And those, you'd, you'd wonder, now, how could you get pancakes without sugar and gluten and dairy? Well, these are ones made with eggs, flax, peanut butter, pumpkin, and cinnamon. And then there's a pumpkin pie, there's gut-friendly granola, bone broth soup, and get this, fish tacos. Mm. There's turkey, spinach burgers, salmon pate, and more. And you got to check that out. And I can just tell right now, at this time of the day, these fish tacos are calling to me right now. And <laughs> we are so lucky to have Michael right here in the studio with us today. And we're taking callers. Call and ask Michael your questions about gut bacteria health. Or maybe if you're a parent with a child with autism, call and talk to Michael as another parent dealing with the same issues that you experience. And Lucy, what is our number in our email? Oh, sure. It's one 472 5792 Or you can email at info at com. Okay, great. So, Michael, here you are with us, and let's start with your story. What got you started into all of this? Uh, thanks, Jeannie, uh, and it's a pleasure to be on. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, we, my wife and I, uh, my wife's name is Holly, uh, we have two twin daughters, uh, one of which, uh, her name is Tula, uh, it's T-U-L-A, and Tula was... Um, both of our girls were born C-section, and she suffered from some very severe gastrointestinal issues that began at birth. 
And so when she was born, born C-section, she did not benefit from the mother's uh, natural flora uh, going down the birth canal. And she then immediately upon birth was given a broad-spectrum antibiotic by the doctors at the uh, maternity ward that day. That was just a precautionary move on their part. They, uh, she had had a little trouble breathing when she first came out, and they just wanted to eliminate any chance of there being a, a lung infection that might set in. And, but what that did, of course, was wipe out any chance of her having a good start to her gut microflora. And then what we have learned since then as parents and what science is learning and releasing research study after study uh, is information about how our gut microbia, these friendly bacteria in our gastrointestinal systems, in our large and small intestines, are key to immune function. And so Tula got a very bad start in life when it comes to immunity, uh, the result of which was in the first 18 months of her life, she had three bouts with ear infections. And what did we do as parents? We got her more antibiotics, which perpetuated the problem. And um, by the time she was three years old, we had been noticing that she was very different from her twin sister. She was socially disconnected. She would not make eye contact with uh, us or anyone. She was not uh, developing at the same rate as her sister as far as, uh, you know, she, the first to crawl, the first to roll over, those types of things. She was delayed behind her sister by months sometimes. And... Um, she would exhibit a lot of signs that we believed might be autism. And so around her third birthday, we had her evaluated. And sure enough, uh, she was given an autism diagnosis of PDD-NOS, which is Pervasive Development Disorder, not otherwise specified. It's, it's one of the disorders that is on the autism spectrum. And uh, this was a girl who, again, no eye contact, no acknowledgement that you're in the room with her. Um, she would exhibit a behavior that they call echolalia, where she would repeat things. We could say, um, do you want a glass of milk? And her answer to that would be, do you want a glass of milk? Do you want a glass of milk? Or, or something about Mr. Noodle from Sesame Street over and over and over again. It was a self-stimulating kind of internal conversation she was having all the time. And then the other piece of this was that she was very anxious, had a, a tremendous amount of anxiety and a loud noise. Say we accidentally dropped a glass or a plate in the kitchen that would break. Something of that sort would set her off into a tantrum that could last hours and really she wouldn't be able to shake that event all day. And it was a, a paralyzing place that she was in. Um, so with that diagnosis, we then went to find whatever help we could as parents for our daughter. And at first we went to our, our regular pediatrician, and his advice was three things. First, accept that there is very little that you as parents can do about autism. Um, 
Second, there are behavioral therapies that we could get her enrolled in, like speech therapy or something they call ABA, uh, which helps teach social skills to autistic children. And then his third thing was for those behaviors, and I'll never forget this one, for those behaviors that you simply cannot tolerate, we have medications for that. And that didn't sit very well with us as parents. Um, We began to seek other advice. Now, we did take his advice and start looking into speech therapy and ABA, and these things were helping. But only to a point that she really wasn't, well, let me clarify, actually the speech therapy was not doing much good at all. The ABA, a tiny amount. But as we continued looking for more information and reaching out to all the sources that are out there, of course the internet is a big help to parents today, we found a doctor in uh, upstate New York, a gentleman named Dr. Kenneth Bach, who had written a book called Healing the New Childhood Epidemics, and what he calls the four A's, autism, ADHD, asthma, and allergies. And he, the book talked not so much about allergy, or excuse me, autism as a purely psychiatric condition, but talked about it more as a whole body holistic, systemic type of um, disorder. And, and Michael, could you, yeah. sorry to butt in here, but um, could you, how do you spell his last name? Is it B-A-C-H? It's B-O-C-K. Thank okay. you for asking. It's a good and Charles? Name. Kenneth. Oh, Kenneth. Okay. Kenneth Bach. And what was the name of the book again? Healing the New Childhood Epidemics. Okay. Thanks. We got on his waiting list and eventually we're able to fly Tula out to see, not him, he was too busy, but his colleague. And uh, this colleague doctor of his was the first doctor not to look at our daughter as a psychiatric condition. But in fact, he didn't even use the word autism when we visited him. He examined her. He asked us a lot of questions about the foods that she ate, behaviors that she exhibited, um, at the time, I thought the, the questions were very interesting, that it was so food-centric and diet-centric. And uh, ultimately, he s- said, you have a child here who, yes, is exhibiting these behaviors that has earned her an autism diagnosis, but you also have a child here with a severe gastrointestinal dysbiosis. And by dysbiosis, he means an imbalance in the microflora in her gut. And uh, he had some good advice on how to approach healing that. And uh, the one diet that he recommended to us was the body ecology diet. And I I, I do want to say something about the word diet. Um, When I use the word diet, I'm not talking about a way of eating for 30 days and then you go back to your old habits. I, I, I don't use the word diet as a temporary state of affairs. When I use the word diet, I am referring to, the, in general, what we eat and in the long term. So a more accurate word, I think, would be lifestyle or food lifestyle. But um, I just wanted to qualify that because the word diet is going to come up a lot as I speak. And so... 
we looked into the body ecology diet and this diet was written by a woman named Donna Gates who uh, many years ago, I think at least 25 years ago now, was suffering from all kinds of different diseases and ailments and uh, health issues and not finding a lot of help in uh, conventional medicine and, and through her doctors. Uh, and so she began to look elsewhere. And to make a long story short, she learned that she had celiac disease before celiac was being diagnosed uh, properly and as readily as it is today. And she found that the path to her healing was by trying to promote a healthy inner microbiome in her oh, gut. You know, Michael, I'm actually going to butt in. It looks like we have a caller, Lisa, on the phone. Okay. Let's go ahead and take Lisa, and then we'll get back to this topic. Great. Lisa, what can we do for you today? Hi. Um, I was wondering, I know the um, Cocoa Keeper products are good for people with candida and yeast problems. I just wonder, is there a minimum you start out to prevent the die-off, or does the Cocoa Keeper cause die-off like some of the antifungals? <laughs> uh, it's a very good question, Lisa. Lisa brings up uh, a product that... Uh, I founded a company that makes a, a probiotic beverage uh, named Coco Kefir is how I pronounce it. Coco Kefir is fine. Um, it is a living fermented food full of um, friendly bacteria that will uh, promote a, a healthy inner ecosystem and, and microbiome. And um, I do want to be very clear to separate what I'm talking about with our daughter's story from the, the Coco Kefir product. Uh, Coco Kefir products are a wonderful fermented food. The path to healing for our daughter and, and for us and our family involved much more than just Coco Kefir. It was a complete lifestyle change when it comes to the foods that we eat. Um, mm -hmm. And yes, Coco Kefir, as we made it at home, was a uh, key component of that. But I really want to make sure that we are not being confused uh, and that when we talk about Coco Kefir, we are talking about a, a cure for autism or anything of that nature. Um, we're not. And so, Lisa, um, your question about die-off and Coco Kefir and how much to take um, – that's going to differ for everyone. Everyone is in a different state of dysbiosis, if they are in a state of dysbiosis at all. Uh, and I assume most of the people that are uh, looking for a product like ours uh, believe that they are in a state of dysbiosis. And so mm -hmm. when you're promoting those healthy microflora in the gut, you're also moving out the bad bacteria and yeasts. Uh, bad bacteria and yeasts can include things like Clostridium difficile and, and um, E. coli even to some extent. But what really is the problem 99% of the time is yeasts and predominantly Candida albicans. And mm -hmm. so as, as they, those are being moved out of the body or cleansed from the body, um, they release a lot of toxicity into the body because in one form, they serve a purpose for us, a positive purpose in locking up some toxicity within the cellular structure of their 
their bodies, their you know single cell bodies. But as they mm-hmm. uh, as they die off, that toxicity gets released, and we can experience um, what people commonly call die off. What that can feel like is is abdominal bloating or discomfort, uh, even a, a softening of stool or uh, uh, anxiety and depression because it can alter brain chemistry in the temporary uh, in the short term. Could it be headaches? Oh, I believe so. In certain people, uh, everyone has a different uh, biochemistry, and we don't want to forget that uh, genomics plays a role here too. There's really two things that are driving our, our existence at any given moment. Our own genome, our DNA, that is, say, the blueprint or hardwiring of how our personal biochemistry uh, works, but then also this microbiome. And it has a completely different set of DNA. And every one of us, it's different. And so the answer to that question about how much to take for die-off is going to vary for every individual. And I, I first thing I want to say is that when we're talking about fermented foods, we're talking about a food. It's not a drug. You know, you can't overdose on a food. Um, but we can have these this cleansing effect. Foods can help cleanse the body. And um, you do want to be able to manage through a day and, and not feel awful uh, the entire day. But at the same time, you don't want to stop. You want to continue the mm-hmm. cleanse and, and clean up uh, your body. And so I, we recommend that people start out at, at a small quantity. If that doesn't seem to be causing them any discomfort or any um, issues with anxiety, then you can increase it some and, and keep increasing until either one of two things happens. Either A, you begin to feel some bloating or some symptoms of die-off, then maybe just back up an, a little bit from that point where you're, you're continuing to feel that you're making forward progress, but you're not stopping. And as you feel that it, it, the die-off symptoms are, are going away, then you can increase slightly until you finally reach option B, which is your maximum dose, uh, your maximum And then, Michael, sense. sorry to butt in here again. Uh, we have a break that we're going to go on. And when we ah. come back from our break, we'll pick up the same topic on um, about the die-off. So let's just take a break. We'll be right back. Great. life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. 
Cancer is not something to be taken lightly. But instead of being talked at by doctors, medical providers, and others, wouldn't it be nice to hear from a host who has worked at the Cancer Coalface for 38 years as a caregiver, supporter for 14,000 patients, and who has had the experience of having a life-threatening condition herself? You will hear the stories of survivors and other people who work in breakthrough cancer medicine. Navigating the Cancer Maze with host Grace Goller will help you with the facts, planning, and grief experienced with different forms and stages of cancer. Listen every Friday at 12 noon U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Body Balance Talk. To reach us with your questions and comments, please call into the program today at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to info at mybodybalancenutrition.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Body Balance Talk. This is Lucy along with Madeline and Jeannie and our special guest, Michael Larson. Just before the break, we were answering a caller's question. Lisa, do we still have you on the line? Maybe yes. maybe not. Oh, you're still there. So, Michael, why don't you finish up answering the question? Well, I think uh, I was qu- quite close to the end of the, the answer there, which is keep pushing the envelope until you reach uh, a daily serving of a half a cup, I think, would be maximum for somebody. That is billions of beneficial probiotic bacteria, uh, tens of billions, actually. And, and that's, you know, that's plenty. You can, you can have, say, a quarter cup a day for a, a nice maintenance serving or a half a cup a day if you feel you want to be more aggressive about uh, really making a change uh, within the microbiome. I, I hope that answers your question, Lisa. I, yes, thank you so much. Thank you. I Thanks for calling. It. All right. So, Michael, tell us more about your story. Well, so my wife Holly and I were on this quest for um, gut healing now. Now that's our focus. And uh, we went and bought the Body Ecology Diet book and began reading uh, BodyEcology.com website and learning about this gut health promoting lifestyle. And it, it seemed extremely overwhelming at first. Two things about this that uh, I found threatening. One is I didn't know it at the time, but I was a sugar addict. Uh, I, I literally was addicted to sugar and it was like other addictions if if anyone knows an alcoholic or a drug addict or a, a anybody a gambler uh, anybody with addiction in their life to the point where it is having negative consequences to either their social life or their physical health that's where i was at and the denial that i was in was just as strong uh, as it would be with uh, an alcoholic or, or uh, you know, a gambling addict. Uh, this isn't a, a problem. I could really cut back my sugar any time. And what this diet really um, did was put severe limits. In fact, in the beginning, 
completely stop the intake of sugar. Well, why is that? That's because sugar is yeast food. Yeast needs sugars to, that's what they eat. That's what they thrive on. And sugars come in all kinds of different forms. They come in um, fructose, and we know that one because it comes naturally in fruits, but it also comes in high fructose corn syrup. And then um, sucrose, which is our refined white table sugars, beet sugar, cane sugars, those types of things. But then there's glucose, and glucose is uh, an interesting one. A lot of the sugars that we consume are transformed into glucose in our bodies, and that's how our bodies process them. Uh, Of course, our endocrine system needs to... uh, increased production of insulin to help our cells absorb the glucose. But the, the really tricky part of, of all this is that carbohydrates, specifically high glycemic carbohydrates, those kinds of carbohydrates that will spike one's blood sugar, also are processed and metabolized in the body as glucose. And so we learn all this uh, as we change our lifestyle and we find that we're on a diet that eliminates bread, crackers, chips, sugar, fruit, the pasta is gone (laughs) and I considered myself a foodie. I'm the kind of person that uh, can very happily spend an entire afternoon, even a whole day cooking one single meal for, uh, I don't even need to have guests coming over. I'll just cook <laughs> it for myself and my immediate family and, and, and love it. I found it all very threatening. Um, so, Michael, I find this interesting that your daughter is the one that you're focusing on, but it sounds to me like you and your wife and your whole family were going to go through these sorts of lifestyle changes together. Well, we, we couldn't sit down at the dinner table and have a, a different meal from our daughter um, because... For us, that what message are we sending that you know mm-hmm. you get to eat that, and I'll have this plate of pasta, mm-hmm. and you get to have the uh, you know the chicken breast and the sautéed kale, uh, and eighty percent of your plate is kale and twenty percent of your plate is the chicken, and I'm going to have uh, you know. Uh, steak and potatoes over here, the baked potato with the sour cream and chives. So then, so then from you and your wife going through this as well and your other daughter, have you noticed any changes in your own health? Because obviously you didn't go into this because you were thinking you had autism, but you right. decide you're going to change your diet, change your lifestyle. Did, did anything change for you or for your wife? Absolutely. And I'd love to be here telling you that I had the willpower to change my own health. But I, I think that's one of the important things to stress is that I'm, I'm just a regular American guy who overate and yeah, loved his sugars, loved his beer and wine and all of it. And, you know, it wasn't helping myself that got me there. The motivation for me was helping my daughter, but it doesn't have to be one's daughter. Point is, if I can do this, anybody can do it. And uh, yes, I was 40 pounds heavier. I was, uh, at one point, I tipped the scale at 215 pounds. I'm currently at 165 pounds and have been holding that weight almost effortlessly uh, ever since I changed the diet, I no longer have the kinds of cravings 
for sugar that uh, that I used to. You know, it doesn't have the the same power over me that it used to, where I kind of go into a coma and uh, a trance and eat a bunch of it before I come to consciousness and realize, wow, I just ate that many of those cookies. Uh, amazing. Mm-hmm. How how did I do that and why did I do that? But then the other big piece was that um, my mental health improved so greatly. I uh, suffered from depression and anxiety uh, before the diet. I I was a you know, relatively, uh, I like to think I was a nice guy and I think most people uh, enjoyed my company. But I, th- I think a lot of people who knew me well back then would have described me as a half gla- uh, a glass half empty kind of guy, uh, a pessimist, and all too happy to see the the negative side of things, and and that really has changed for me. Um, and that's that stress and anxiety that are just lifted from me, and I I didn't realize they were there until they were gone, mm-hmm. along with a, a brain fog that I had. I can work. Uh, more efficiently and get more done in a day and feel less stress while I'm doing it. Um, my wife uh, has suffered for years from um, acid reflux and the diet, the, the lifestyle has enabled her to reintroduce foods like onions and, and garlic, uh, two foods that she has had to avoid for over a decade Um we used to have to tilt the bed, you know, the head of the bed up higher with phone books under the, the bed frame legs to help her keep acid down in her stomach. And um, all of that is behind us. It's no longer a part of our lives. So it sounds like you both have really benefited. I, I, I'm wondering, what was it like for your daughter, Tula? Maybe was she about three at the time when you changed this diet? How did that work for her? Well, because she was so young, and I, I do want to stress that for people that are thinking about making a change for their child, um, especially when it comes to a, a, a brain-related issue, a brain chemistry-related issue like autism or ADHD, time is of the essence. Uh, there is a window of opportunity to affect real physical changes to the brain in a positive way before the uh, cement dries, so to speak. And so we did start early, and, and that helped us gain a lot of ground. I don't want to discourage people from starting with their child uh, today if their child's older, because there's always improvements that can be made, and, and even a small improvement is certainly worth the effort. But um, we started early enough to where she didn't question it a whole lot. We're you know, we're in charge. We're we're parents. So, about h- how old was she then when you made the diet change? Three years old. So she was three, and so did she just take to these foods, and it was just that's just the way it was, or was there any struggle, or um, there, was that the easy part? There was some struggle, but uh, not insurmountable. Mm-hmm. I mean, we she did crave the foods that the yeasts in her body needed to survive and and I think that's an important piece is that these yeasts will create those cravings that we feel they do have sway over our brain chemistry they when you have that craving it it may not necessarily be you that wants the cookie or wants Mm -hmm. the pasta it's the yeast saying hey uh, host organism go over there and get the foods that I need to survive and uh, the, the parasite in effect is in control of the host um 
with her, she craved nothing but yogurt and breads and crackers. And so what is that? Well, yogurt is sugar. Uh, yogurt today uh, is most yogurts, and I'm not talking about Greek yogurt, uh, but the ones that actually get sold at the grocery store in high, high numbers. Um, you know, one of the best-selling yogurts in the country is a blueberry-flavored yogurt. It's organic. It's uh, got this um, aura about its, its marketing that it is a very healthy food, and yet it has 27 grams of sugar per cup. Well, Mountain Dew has only 25 grams of sugar per cup, so um, it's really a dessert and not a health food. So she would crave those kinds of foods, and we cut that off. So how did you how did you handle that? Did she what did she cry or scream or did, or or was it a pretty easy transition? You know, we had an autistic child in our house at that time of our lives. We had plenty of crying and screaming going on in the home. It was something that we were accustomed to and the hope of minimizing that, even just making a small dent in the amount of that that we had to deal with, uh that was plenty motivation for us. Mm-hmm. And um I don't want to say that all healthy foods were something that she didn't like. Mm -hmm. There were plenty of foods. She loved uh, broccoli, and and we did use a reward system on some foods and say, okay, well, if we can just get healthy foods into her, like fermented foods, then maybe we would give her a small, little, gluten-free, low-glycemic carb cracker of some kind or Mm -hmm. even something that has a small amount of sugar in it but the whole plan is we're going to reduce that over time as we introduce the healthy foods so um, it's you know it's one step at a time and and Mm -hmm. we didn't just do this overnight and of course we've learned a lot in almost six years of doing this now and uh, I look back at things we were doing in the first six months and I would never do them today but I'm glad I did something in the first mm-hmm. six months, and mm-hmm. so uh, I think so. Kind of trial and error, a little bit in the beginning. Trial and error, and a learning curve. And mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. don't beat yourself up if uh, if you make a mistake. Just improve it. It's it's a journey, journey of healing. So, what was it like for Tula and her symptoms? Did did you see something improve? And was it quick, or did it take a long time? Or how? how what was that like? Well, the first thing uh, we did was go gluten-free and dairy-free. Uh, I think that is, at the time, that was kind of uh, the new thing. Oh, you have an autistic child, you should go gluten-free, dairy-free. So we did that. But what we didn't realize in that first six months of doing all of this is that there are so many gluten-free products out there that are still so loaded up with high-glycemic carbs that are now not coming from wheat, but they're coming from corn or rice starches and rice flours or tapioca starch or potato starches and they're still just feeding the yeast in the gut but we did see a slight improvement by removing that glycoprotein uh, gluten from her diet and the glycoprotein casein from her diet because they were irritating her stomach lining or her uh, gastrointestinal lining and causing her discomfort and so we saw a, a small improvement there. When we introduced fermented foods like young coconut uh, kefir that we were making at home, we had a die-off that was amazing. And uh, what it did at first, I mentioned earlier to that caller, Lisa, about the uh, connection between the die-off and anxiety and depression. 
there is there is a gut brain connection, and these things have been proven out now in scientific studies uh, that are going on. Uh, regularly, and I can talk about a couple of particular ones that are really interesting, but uh, I can do that later. We saw this this tremendous uh, regression of Tula's behaviors when she was going through the die-off. The autistic behaviors got worse at first, which challenged our willpower uh, because are yeah, we doing the right thing here? It looks like we're making her miserable, mm-hmm. and but. We, because we were armed with uh, the body ecology book and its its teachings, its guidance, we were already told to expect this and know that that was a cleanse and that that does end over time and uh, some ways to just manage through it. And uh, about a week and a half later, as we slowly increased uh, the amounts of these fermented foods that she was getting each day, the clouds just parted one day, and she re- she made eye contact for uh, the first time. Mm. Um, wow! You know, it sounds melodramatic, but she she said, "I love you" to me for the, and I, I remember wow. it vividly. Um, these these were big things, and shortly thereafter, we began to get reports from ABA therapy that we were sending her to every day, and they said she's doing great. She is the star pupil, and. Um, it wasn't until we changed the diet that that began to become so effective. And um, it, it, the, the effects were profound. And so we had seen enough to stay the course and continue it. And it is a, a lifestyle and a journey that continues to this day. I, I don't think that we could just go, well, we don't want to go back now. Our lifestyle is so different today. And I don't see any reason to, but we just wouldn't go back to the old way of eating the the standard american diet so then what happened she was improving and she had eye contact and she was um, doing better in her therapy and that Um, then what did she continue to improve or how did things progress then well she began to improve just a a little bit every day Um, she had um, that aba therapy eventually transitioned to preschool but with an ABA therapist to be with her through preschool. But within six months, uh, that therapist said, she doesn't need me anymore. And uh, we, we, let's just let her do preschool on her own. And she did, and she kept to continue, continued improving. And, uh, and then when she went into kindergarten, that was a change of facility from the preschool to uh, our, our public school system and she went into kindergarten without any help whatsoever uh, and has been academically on pace with her peers and socially on pace with her peers ever since and, and in fact we just got her now they're in okay. the girls are in third grade uh, they both got stellar report cards including oh, Tula that's great and uh, she is a normal happy healthy little girl who no longer exhibits behaviors of autism in any way shape or form well Michael it looks like it's time for another break so great. everybody remember that we're taking callers the number is one 472 How is your health? Do you want to know more about it? 
Every day there are new technologies, procedures, and healing techniques coming forward. To understand them, tune in to Speaking of Health with Dr. Michael Cudlis. Our guests come from different backgrounds in the fields of health and healing. We'll discuss new realities and modalities, from chiropractic to metagenics. It's all designed to improve your quality of life. Speaking of Health is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Ready for in-your-face, smash-mouth talk? Want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about? Either because they're too scared to touch them or just don't think it's the way to go? You're not going to be shy here. Tune into Anything Goes featuring Ike Mega Griffin. He's got the facts to back up the talk and invites you to join him every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, just before the weekend on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Mega tells it like it is. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Body Balance Talk. To reach us with your questions and comments, please call into the program today at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to info at mybodybalancenutrition.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Body Balance Talk. This is Lucy with Madeline and Jeannie and our special guest, Michael Larson. Everybody can call in and ask Michael your questions on gut bacteria and health. So, Michael, let's continue our discussion. I think, um, and you wanted to talk more about how the listeners can start to change their own health. Yeah, is that right? We, yeah, we've talked up to this point about you know my journey in learning about all of this, but I think what's interesting is the science that is coming out since I've been on this journey that is reinforcing what we as a family have learned. All of these parents are are making changes to their diet and lifestyle and affecting real changes in their children so much so that and, and of course not just children but themselves also they're doing this to such an extent that doctors and researchers and scientists have uh, taken notice and there are studies going on about the microbiome uh, in fact there is a huge project called the human microbiome project that is pr- probably going to amount to a 10-year effort. Uh, There's millions of dollars invested in this at research facilities all over the world. Uh, But what they're doing is mapping out the human microbiome. And what does that mean? Well, so we've got this two and a half pounds of bacteria that each of us lug around with us every day. And it's not a part of us. It is separate from us. But without it, we cannot survive. It is trillions of bacteria with all uh, kinds of different DNA represented and uh, the the mechanics of their function is not entirely understood and that's the reason why the Human Microbiome Project is going on. But what is known today is that not only is that biochemistry, that that population, that uh, inner ecosystem, whatever you want to call it, not only is that important to our digestion, but it is turning out to be key to our immune function. 
70 to 90% of the body's immune cells reside in the gut. And uh, lately, there have been study after study coming out about the connection between the gut microbia and brain chemistry and behavior. In particular, uh, Dr. Derek McFabe at the University of Western Ontario has been doing some fantastic uh, work with mice where he alters the gut microbia within the mice and gives the mice autism. These mice begin to exhibit autism simply because of a change to the, the population of the microbes in their small intestines and their large intestines. And then he can reverse it and has that kind of control. And he can uh, get the mice to exhibit other behaviors. And it's not only just a behavior exhibit, but he's measuring their brain chemistry and changes in their brain chemistry. So that link is now uh, a proven fact that it does exist. And other researchers uh, like Dr. Martha Herbert at the uh, Harvard Medical School are taking those learnings and applying them in, in human populations, in, in children with autism and ADHD. And so there's a lot of fascinating things going on. But the, the repercussions or the impact of, of these learnings, this, this gut is important to us. We, we're, as a society, just waking up to this. We're finding out that it's, it's not only the, the digestion. Well, okay, what's digestion? That is the feeding of every cell in our bodies, giving it the nutrition that it needs to, to thrive, including our organs and our brain. So it's digestion, but it's our immunity. It is our ability to fight off infectious diseases and viruses, colds, bacteria. Uh, in our hospitals, we've seen all this antibiotic use. And I'm not anti-antibiotic, but uh, let's... You know, you need an antibiotic. You need one. They are life-saving drugs, but let's, you know, be honest. They've been over-prescribed, and the consequences of antibiotic use are just now really becoming uh, quite clear to us as a society that uh, there's, they're not a no-risk proposition. And so, as we have uh, affected our collective immunity, we have created. Uh, superbugs like MRSA and uh, the biggest one now it, because it's gut related is uh, Clostridium difficile is infecting people in hospitals and care facilities where antibiotics are being used and, and these things are uh, you know sick people are being brought together and they there's more of a prevalence of these types of bacteria and it's a real problem because giving more antibiotics is not curing these these people but what is curing them is a revolutionary uh, approach called fecal transplant, which sounds crazy. It's, it, it is exactly what it sounds like. They take microbia, they take the, the microbiome of a healthy person and remove it from that person and implant it into the sick person, and they are curing uh, Clostridium difficile infections that were previously killing people. And, and it's 90% effective. It's... Um, it's it's wonderful. So, you know this this microbiome. We all have it. We're all dependent on it. How do we how do we perceive of it? How do we care for it? Um, I think the easy way to do this because I've got one. Lucy, you have one. Jeannie, you have one. Madeline, you have one. And every listener out there has one, and they're in charge of it. 
And how do we affect changes with it? Well, it comes down to every little decision that we make about the foods and the liquids that we put into our bodies, but also the quality of those foods, uh, drugs that we put into our bodies, supplements that we put into our bodies. And if you take the average human gastrointestinal tract, and we know that this is just a big, long tube uh, that's quite long, but if you take the inside of that tube, that's the surface, especially in the small and large intestine, that surface is where the magic biochemistry of the absorption of nutrition and the processing of our foods, digestion essentially, takes place. It's also where all of our immune function is happening, uh, a vast majority of it, it turns out. If you take that surface and laid it out flat, which is gross, but if you can think about doing that, that surface area is roughly the size of a tennis court. So amazing, but there it is. And now I can conceptualize that in my mind. I can visualize it. But on that surface, I have this ecosystem, this microbiome that I'm in charge of promoting either the good guys or the bad guys on it. And so why don't I think of this tennis court as having a lawn growing on it, uh, grass, and I'm the gardener, and any good greenskeeper or gardener knows that if they feed their lawn the right nutrition and the right watering schedule, uh, they will promote conditions on that surface that are conducive to the species of grasses that they want growing there. And if they neglect it or feed it the wrong foods or overfeed it something, the weeds are going to take over. And that's really exactly what's happening in our, in our microbiomes is that with the wrong diet, we're promoting the weeds. And in our case, the weeds are yeasts uh, 99% of the time. And or if I'm feeding it and making the right decisions as, as my own personal microbiome gardener, I am going to promote an environment in which the good guys win. And so I'm, that's how I think about it is when I ingest something, when I have a, a, a meal at a restaurant or a meal at home, um, what does that meal look like? Is it coming on a plate and was it prepared individually for me uh, from organic, pesticide-free, herbicide-free sources and, and ingredients or is it coming out of a foil bag that I bought at a gas station and what competitive advantage am I promoting in my e ecosystem when I eat such a food who's, who's going to win the good guys or the bad guys who's going to be happy with the resulting environment I've created by putting the bag of Doritos down or uh, you know a, a healthy plate of broccoli with some, um, you know, uh, quinoa or something. It's one promotes a healthy microbiome, the other one promotes the yeasts. And over time, none of this occurs in one meal, two meals, two days, two weeks, a month. But it's it's years of eating a certain way and making these decisions that uh, will either promote the good guys or the bad guys. And, and that's the way I like to think about it when I'm eating the foods that I eat day to day. So, Michael, what do your friends say? <laughs> well, 
You know, it's interesting. When we first started doing this, um, a lot of people said, good for you, but I'm going to stick to my own thing. And But slowly over time, we start to see that eventually their own health issues or their own challenges uh, have brought them to start thinking about, well, what about that? What if I just change something in my diet? And of course, it's very personal for people and everyone takes their own approach. And I don't pretend that the way we did it in our household is the way for everybody to do it. But at the high 50,000 foot level, uh, I think it's just important for people to do some basic things and that's take control of their food and pay attention to the fact that they are in charge of this microbiome and that it does have uh, some sway over not only their physical health, uh, but but whether or not they feel good that day and if they're able to process uh, a lot at work. Um, so we do have friends and family members who have been very changed by the way we've made changes in our lives. And, and it feels very good to know that we've um, brought benefits to their lives because, of course, the benefits do come. They come every time. And they call us and, and share that with us and uh, and it's it's a wonderful feeling. So what do you tell somebody if they, if um, maybe somebody new that you meet or maybe a long time uh, family member or a friend when they come to you and they say well Michael you know my, my diet's a disaster and say that you just are going to tell them one or two things like what do you have any advice that you would give somebody without knowing all the ins and outs about what they're doing? Is there something that you could ever recommend to people? Well, the, I think the first thing is, you know, don't get overwhelmed. Uh, you, you'll want to feel overwhelmed. You don't have to feel overwhelmed. Just take it step by step. Make one improvement today. Make like what an, would be one improvement? One like what, what would one thing be for somebody? From my perspective, the, the top thing would be, can I cut my sugar today? Sugar is the top of my list of evil, toxic foods uh, because it is so addictive. And, um, and that's the other thing. When someone comes to me, they're a loved one, they're a friend, but I also realize that they're an addict and mm-hmm. they don't know it. And you can't just tell an addict, hey, you're addicted to sugar, man. you got to quit. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it isn't that simple. So then what do you say? say? Say that you're talking to somebody and they're actually asking you for help because they have health problems. And then you're thinking in your mind about sugar, but you yeah. know that they're a sugar addict. Like, what do you do? I recommend they, they find a source of help. Uh, and that is a professional uh, like you guys who offer real hard science behind nutritional guidance and um, people can know that not only are we moving from where I am today to a healthier place, but I'm also not starving myself along the way because essentially what I'm talking about is, is a, an elimination type of diet mm-hmm. where first you got to get rid of the bad, but you don't know what the good is to replace it with. And so it, it helps to have guidance and I would refer them to uh, you guys or uh, Body Balance. I would refer them to uh, 
Donna well, Gates, Body Ecology, you know. Well, thank you, Michael. You know, it's time to wrap up. And, Michael, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Yes. And, everybody, you know that we post each radio show on our website, so you can go back and listen. And be sure to tell your friends and family so that they know that they can learn along with you. And our website is mybodybalancenutrition.com. I'm Lucy, along with Madeline and Jeannie, and we'll talk again next Friday. Thanks again for tuning in this week. Join Jeannie, Lucy, and Madeline for another edition of Body Balance Talk next Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, listen to yourself and make it a healthy life ahead. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.